over the last few weeks, I've been preaching a, a, a message, a series of message, messages on taking dominion over your thoughts. And I hope that it has made a difference in your life. It has for many. In fact, several have said that's uh, it's changing my life. It's changed mine. I'm going to tell you, it's changed mine. I've mentioned that every week. It has changed my life. Uh, not just my preaching on it, but things I've got a hold of, the truths that I'm preaching to you has changed my life. And so I, I, I hope that it is yours. I'm going to preach again this morning on taking dominion over your thoughts. Uh, I look to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. This is our main text for all of these messages. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. I'm reading from the King James Version because that's how I grew up memorizing these verses. I, I remember I was teaching a Sunday school class as a youth pastor at Hope many years ago. And I had a, an adult Sunday school class and an evangelist, Sam Austin, was visiting and preaching in our church. And he came to my Sunday school class. And uh, I was trying to find this verse, and, and he, I was mentioning it in the Sunday school, and, and, and he, said, he said, Jimmy, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. He said, you need to know that because the rest of your life, you're going to need those verses. He was right. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We're at war. We're at war. We're in a warfare. And these are our weapons. This morning I want to add to it scriptures from Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. King James says, be not conformed to this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The renewing, that's the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God, God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This morning, in this series, I want to preach about renewing your mind. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. Touch us today, Lord. Change us. Change us through your word. This, this scripture says it'll change us, God. We want to be changed. God, I don't want to just come and be stirred. I want to be changed. I don't want my emotions to be met. 
and, and my needs to be met only. I want to be changed. And God, I pray that you'll change all of us through the renewing of our minds this morning, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated this morning. Last week I preached about pulling down the strongholds of lies that you've been told by the devil and by yourself. You tell yourself lies. You know, sometimes the devil's a few miles away and you're still lying. Some of you, you, you misbehave no matter what, whether the devil's here or not. Today I want to talk to you about changing your way of thinking. Let's talk about the mind and how it works. You've, you've heard it said that humans only use 10% of their minds. And so that's why we have such a hard time with understanding things. The problem is there's no proof that humans only use 10% of their minds. Did you know that? I've been told that all my life. And somebody came up. I, I even I looked it up this week. I tried to find where there was some validity to we only use 10% of our minds. How can anybody figure that out anyway? I mean, you know, you can look at some people and figure they're not using much, but, you know, uh, it's, just not a, it's just not necessarily a scientific idea that we only use 10% of our minds. But because we've heard it over and over and over and over, you'll believe because you keep hearing it. Repetition of thoughts and corresponding actions uh, solidifies thoughts in our minds. Our minds form patterns and neural pathways. I told you that I, I got a hold of a book, Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Groeschel. Best book I've read in decades. I'm giving it away to people. You want one? We'll try to get you one. I'm it's 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 great. Uh, I've not used a lot of of what I've I've learned in that book in my messages, but today I'm pulling out some of the research from it, and and, uh, and, and I've used that. I've also been using uh, some of that, uh, the great Bible commentary Google, and uh, I've found a few things there as well. Our minds form neural pathways according to the soul the soulful psych.com here's what neural pathways are uh, neural pathways are the connections in our brains that are formed based on our habits and behaviors the number of connections within a particular neural pathway increases with the frequency of behavior is performed See, so you learned something this morning. Neural pathways. The, let me just break it down. The first time you try something different, it's difficult. The first time you try a task that you've never tried before, it's a little bit difficult. And, and so you just keep doing it until, it until you form a pathway in your mind, a... Um, ah, Best way I know to put it, how the scientists do, a neural pathway. You, you, I've, I've been driving now for over 50 years. Uh, I started out quite young driving. I, 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 remember, I remember my granddaddy uh, 
putting me in his lap, in his truck, no seatbelt. Didn't even have a seatbelt. Set me in his lap and let me drive down the street at their city they lived in in Hope, Arkansas. I remember, I just, maybe 13 or maybe even younger than that. Uh, I've been driving a long time. The first times, and I can't remember a whole lot about it. It's been a few years. But the first times were a, a little bit scary for everybody else on the road. Kind of exciting for me, but scary for everybody else. Because I would start to drift to the right, and I'd pull it, pull it back, and then go to the left and pull it. You know what I mean. Uh, I, I did learn to drive on an automatic. Then my first car I had was a standard, and I had to learn all over again. So I had to figure out how to use all hands and both hands and both feet. All hands, that's both. Uh, <laughs> there was a few times I could have used an extra hand, but, but nevertheless, uh, and it was, it was difficult until I came to the place where I, it just came natural. I, one of the cars I had about oh, eight years ago, five years ago, was a little Honda, a little five-speed. And, and, and the first time I got in it, I hit that clutch. And I had, I mean, I was, I, I felt good uh, knowing that it all came back to me. It was natural. Now, whenever I drove to the church this morning, I didn't even think about it. I, I, I got in, I put it in reverse, got out of the garage, made it to the street, made it here, and never even thought about it. Not a thought. Why? Because I have formed a neural pathway in my brain, and I just I know how to get down the road. When I was in the ninth grade in our school, as an elective, they were offering typing classes. So I, I decided to take typing, and that was altogether something new to learn. The QWERTY keyboard, the why it doesn't go A B C D E F G? It, it's they they spread the alphabet all over the thing. And they expect us to learn how to type, but all of you that type, no, my children learned quite easily. They got online and learned how, how how to type. But but I got to tell you, I learned how to really type. The stuff that today that's not real typing. If you've not typed on a royal typewriter then you've not typed. Where, where you, like, how many of you know this? See, <laughs> some of the younger ones, what in the world is this? <laughs> We're not just saying, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. No, that was to advance it another line. So we really are ancient this morning, aren't we? I didn't get onto an electric typewriter for a while. And that's why, that's why, if you're ever around and I'm typing on my keyboard, I pound the daylights out of it because I'm still typing on that royal. I've, I've, formed, I've formed that in my mind. Learning to play the piano. In the fourth grade, I, my mother decided uh, for me to take some piano lessons. Uh, Turn, turn my piano up just a little bit there. Decide, and and I, rem, I remember my first song. 
that good? Yeah. Now, over the years, I took more lessons. I went to take lessons from a Pentecostal pastor's wife in Nashville, Arkansas, to teach me how to play different chords with songs and things. So over the years, you know... about that I, I don't even I don't sit there thinking is that a D major seventh is that a, oh if I got to hit it because I've got a pathway to that I I'm trying to show you something this morning and not just show out I want to tell you that we form these in our minds and some of them are negative and some of them are positive and, and we get we get stuck in ruts a, a rut is a habit whether it's good or bad so if someone says well you're just stuck in a rut well maybe it's a good rut maybe I am I get t told at times <laughs> I get told at times by some people that I may be stuck in a rut see a rut in Alaska there are two seasons there's, there's July and there's winter uh I've, I've been to Alaska two times to preach revivals. The missionary in Alaska would have me come to preach revival, but he wouldn't have me come in July. He'd have me come in February. And, and I would wake up in the morning and look at the thermometer outside, and it would be 20 below. And I think that, that's cold. Well, when it's cold like that, they can drive almost any place, you know, and... and over ice and such but then when it gets starts warming up then the ground gets soft and muddy and mushy and it forms ruts and they have a sign there that says this it says uh choose your rut carefully you'll be in it for the next 60 miles and um and which is true see we're we're approaching New Year's, I mentioned a while ago, six weeks. And a good number of people will make New Year's resolutions. They will resolve to do better in certain areas of their life than they have been doing. I think the number one resolution is still to stop smoking. Most people, when you take the whole world into consideration. Uh, to eat better and exercise quit wasting so much time on the iPhone and social media or whatever phone you have or read the Bible and pray every day we make these these, these are good resolves but it's simply behavior modification it's not and most people three weeks in are back to eating chip and dip and other stuff that maybe we weren't supposed to. And, 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 and our member, thank goodness that the membership at the gym is a one-month trial membership. There, there's some good resolves. My message today is not trying to institute 
behavior modification to try to get you to do better. We use that with our children. It, it, it won't change the way they think, but it may change the way they behave. And you're not that concerned about how they think as long as they behave, right? Can I get Is there a witness in here from any parent? Behavior modification is defined as the uh, alteration of behavioral patterns through the use of such learning techniques as biofeedback and positive and negative reinforcement. More simply, you can modify your child's behavior with positive consequences or with negative consequences. <laughs> I looked this up on a parent's page. Here you go, parents. I'm going to help you today. Positive punishment is adding a chore or task to a child's responsibility, uh, having him do a sibling's chores because they hurt their feelings. Negative punishment is taking away the iPad or whatever else. I know some of you thought I was going to say whoopings. They don't know what whoopings are. Come talk to me after the service. I could, I'll take you down memory lane but I don't want to do it right now because I'll, it'll, it'll make me cry. Note, note this. Hell is a negative punishment enforcement. Oh, I don't want to lose anybody. So, Pastor, do you believe hell is real? Yes. Yes, I do. But I don't use hell to try to get people into heaven. And I don't use hell to try to get people to serve Jesus. It's there and the reality is there. But a lot of times what we're trying to do is change people's behavior to keep them from being punished with an eternal hell. The problem with that is, is that I'm afraid of hell right now, but tomorrow it won't be a big deal. Two or three days from now, I won't even think about it. And then maybe a week or so from now, I think, oh, man, I don't want to go to hell. I better get to church. You know, I better, I better do, I better... I better talk to Jesus. I better pray. That's, that's, not what, that's not what we're talking about this morning when we're talking about renewing the mind. Because I, I, can, I can live a life trying to stay out of hell, and that's no fun, by the way. There's a better way. And, that, and that's, not just, that's not just, well, psh, I'd like to do that, but I don't want to go to hell. I, I I'd like to be sinning like everybody else and having a big time, but I don't want to go to hell. I'd like to do this. You know, I could cuss a little bit, but don't want to go to hell. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, here's what we're here for. The Bible says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what God wants I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Isn't that good? He didn't say, I will keep him in perfect peace who stays afraid of hell. Then they're going to be in peace. No, I'm just going to be constantly afraid of hell. I'm just going to tell you this morning, I'm not afraid of hell because I'm not going there. I've made up my mind. But I'm not serving God. I didn't come this morning just to stay out of hell. There's so much more than just that. I, I don't want to just try to change your behavior this morning. And, and by the way, I wish you would behave. 
There are times whenever I preach a message and I leave and I, and I think, what part of not doing that did they not understand? <laughs> what part? What part of this isn't what you're supposed to do? Did they not quite grasp? What part of living holy did they not grasp? See, but, but I, can, I can preach all day long and try to get you to change your behavior, but if I can't change your mind, you're going to fall back into the same rut that you've always been in. And you're going to follow that rut, and you're going to live that way, and you're going to, you're going to follow and do that, that no matter what. Bob Dylan wrote a song a few years ago. He was saved for a couple of years. He really was. His concerts were all Christian concerts. During that time, he wrote this song, and here's, I like this. He says, I'm going to change my way of thinking, make myself a different set of rules. I'm going to change my way of thinking, make myself a different set of rules. I'm going to put my good foot forward, stop being influenced by fools. That's a good song. I wish he had stayed with it. My responsibility is your pastor. It's not just to get you to live right and behave right. My, my responsibility today is to get you to think right and to submit your mind to the will of God. Because look at this verse again in the King James. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable to ask this of you. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The only way that you're going to get to the will of God this morning is to let your, is to let your mind be renewed. By the renewing of your mind. That's how, that's how we know, that's how we get to the will of God. In, in Craig Rochelle's book, Winning the War, he, he gives these definitions. He said, a rut is typically formed in mud and becomes a nuisance, even a danger. A rut is unintentionally created and has no purpose. It requires repair. But a trench is intentionally dug to deliver a necessary resource. A trench has a specific purpose and fixes an existing problem. So what I'm telling you this morning is, if you're stuck in a rut of living a certain way and thinking a certain way and your mind's going a certain way, the only way to get out of that is to dig a trench that'll get you away from the rut and on a whole new path. Can someone say amen? Let's talk about some of these. Lust is a rut. It's a rut. James chapter 1, verse 14 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed by his own lust. Then when desire or lust has conceived, in one translation it says, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Philippians chapter 4, 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He doesn't, he doesn't just say, don't think about the wrong things. He says, think about the right things. I, I preached this last week about replacing 
replacing the lies of the devil with truth. The only way you're going to get out of lust is from the truth of God's Word. Listen, lust, it, the first time, the first time you click on that picture on the Internet, the first time you click on it, you feel ashamed. Oh, oh, I didn't, oh. You know, that, however, it also uh, dumps some stuff into your brain that felt kind of good, too. It was bad. Uh, uh. The next time, you don't feel so bad. And, and then the next time, you look at even more. It just keeps growing, keeps going. See, jo Job said this about his eyes. Job chapter 31, verse 1, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. And then the message, <laughs> I've got to give you the message this morning. I made a solemn pact with myself never to undress a girl with my eyes. I don't think you could get any more plain than that. See, this is, this is, this is what it says. Well, we have to, if you've gotten yourself, if you've gotten yourself in such a rut, that you can't, you can't go 10 minutes without thinking filthy thoughts. And the psychologist will say, it's all normal and it's all, it's all right. It's not. Because we've got, to, we've got to think differently than the world. Be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed. Many, not all psychologists, many will tell you it's just natural and it's okay. Yeah, there's a lot of natural things out there that are sins, but they just happen to come natural to me. I was born in iniquity. I was born in sin. I got to get out of that. And I'm not going to get out of that by staying in the same rut and thinking the same thing and watching the same stuff and reading this uh, and hearing and, and talking the same. Uh, I, I've, got, I, I've got to dig a trench. And I do that. I dig a trench. And here's what, here's what Paul said. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, he said, think on these things. He says, quit thinking about the other things and think on these things. When you see someone or something and, and you start to think, like Job said, I'm not going to watch my eyes. I've got to be careful what I'm doing with my eyes. You don't just do that, but going, not going to think about it, 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 going to keep my mind, go, go, come on, come on, mind. You know how we do. I, I'm going to tell you something. I scare myself sometimes with some of the thoughts I have. We're not talking about all this one particular area. I get a thought in my mind sometimes. It may not be lust. It may be something else. But I get a thought in my mind sometimes, and I think, that's scary. That's scary that I even thought a thought like that. What do you do with that? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
So when I see something or I think something and I'm going down that rut and I've, I've, because, because I've done it for so long, now it just comes, I just, that's just how I think and that's just who I am. And that's why, that's why we got a bunch of dirty old men out there because they were dirty young men that never got out of the way of thinking. And now they're dirty old men still thinking the same thing. Help us, Jesus. Dig a trench. What about worry? Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds, hearts and minds, as you live in Christ Jesus. What does he say? Don't worry about anything. Quit worrying. I'm not talking about don't you worry. Be happy. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not, again, it's not behavior modification. God, God is not just here to make you happy. He's here to bring joy. He's here to bring peace. If I'm looking for happiness, uh, I, I've just about got to make myself happy. Because God is here for me to be pure and holy and have peace and have joy and, 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 and weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning and I've looks like I can feel the breaking of day this morning fear 2 Timothy 1.7 says for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power and of love and of self discipline but let me give you the King James God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind right a sound mind there's people in the church living in fear I'm not just talking about people in the world that don't know God I'm talking about people in the church live in an almost constant state of fear it's a rut you get in a fear rut. You've been in it for so long, you're just afraid. What are you afraid of? I'm just afraid. Well, what are you afraid of? We don't, even know, we don't even know what we're afraid of anymore. We just know we're afraid. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid something's going to happen. I've got news for you. Something's going to happen. I'm afraid something will go wrong. Got, got some more news. Another news flash. Something's going to go wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid, I'm afraid somebody's not going to like me. Got news. Somebody already don't like you. That's right. But not everybody. Your mama still likes you. If your mama's still here, if she was here, she'd still like you. I'm just telling you, mama likes you. No, mama liked me no matter what. I mean, my mama told me one time, she said, son, if I didn't love you, I couldn't stand you. She used to tell me a lot of encouraging things growing up. <laughs> fear. God's not giving you. Let me just tell you something. God didn't give you that fear you have. God didn't give you that fear. He, gave, he wanted you to have a sound mind. That doesn't mean we don't have a healthy respect for some things. I don't fear the stove, but I don't put my hand in it either. 
I have a respect for what it can do to me if I stick my hand over the flame. And children need to learn that too. We don't teach them to grow up to be afraid of the stove or they'll never cook. Some of them are afraid of the stove. <laughs> Scared to death of the dishwasher. That dishwasher, that vacuum cleaner, it's going to suck me up. I'm not going to take Defeat. We get thoughts of defeat. Romans 8, 31. Let me read this. I love this. What shall we say? What shall we say about such things, of such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? He did not spare, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? Who, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Does, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us overwhelming victory is ours so 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 here we've got here we have uh, defeat don't live in defeat you got victory this morning uh, he gives us that victory discontented discontentment this is a way of thinking Philippians 4.11 says this, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or on everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. I can do all things. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, we quote that scripture out of context all the time. It'll work out of context, but listen, that's not where it was meant to be. Paul, first of all, says, I've learned in whatever state or condition I am to be content. Content. Discontented thoughts is because come because you are not content. Now, does this mean because you know, we live in a world that says, don't settle for less. I'm not settling for less when God has more for me. But I'm contented where I am right now. Now, if, now, if, I'm, in a, if, if I'm in a state of disobedience or I'm in a state of not living right or I'm not, getting, I'm not being blessed because I'm not in a place to be blessed, I cannot be content with that. But if I'm living for Him and I'm trusting Him for my next meal and my next day, and, and I'm, and, but I'm constantly, I'm constantly needing more than what I have. 
or desiring more than what I have. I'm not telling you that we have to go hungry. Paul said, I know how to be hungry. He didn't say, I'm going to live there. <laughs> in, in fact, in fact, he, he, he used the word epistemai to talk about knowing how hungry he was. He didn't use the word gnosko. Gnosko means I am acquainted with it very strongly. But he didn't use that word. That's the word when the, when the demons came against the, uh, the seven sons of Sceva, and they said, Jesus, we know that was gnosko. They had had a relationship with Jesus. Paul says, I know how to be hungry, but I haven't had a relationship with it. I'm not going to live there, but I know how to be hungry. I, and, other, and then he said, no matter where it is, no matter where I am, Paul could say this because Paul's writing, most of his writing, or a lot of his writing, is, is sitting in prison while he's writing it. And he said, look, I can be content in whatever state I am. And then he says, then he says, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's not saying I can leap over tall buildings at a single bound. I can stop locomotives. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Got to go back a little ways now. I know some of the modern doesn't tell us much about that, but you got faster than a speeding bullet. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying I can do all these things. I can be hungry. I can be full. <laughs> I can suffer need. I can have my knees. He said, I can do all of these things. Why? Because Christ has given me strength. Where is it he's given him strength? Paul was not getting strong in prison. He was behind prison doors, sometimes in stocks. Sometimes he couldn't move. Sometimes he couldn't exercise. But it didn't matter because God was coming into his mind, and he kept his heart and his mind in him. If you'll keep your heart and your mind, it doesn't matter. So we need to learn. We need to learn contentment. If you don't learn contentment, you'll never be satisfied. You'll, you'll never be, you'll always be saying, now, if I, if I had a million, and, and would I like to have a million dollars or a billion I see all these billionaires out there. I don't even understand billion. I, I can't, I don't understand billion. Million, I can kind of figure out. Billion, no, I don't, un, I can't, I can't get that. You know, someone can buy some big company and pay a few billion dollars, and I just say, just, Throw a little bit over here. <laughs> now we're getting a witness. Yeah. You get to think about, oh, what all I could do, what all I couldn't do. Let me tell you, do what you're doing right now in the strength of God. He's given you everything that you need. He's given you every. Listen, I did, I did, I ate something this morning. I'll probably eat. And, and, if you, and if you don't have any food, come tonight. We're going to give you some free chili. Yeah, it's good. I, I'm, I'm not, and, and very few of us are doing without. You don't hear what I'm talking about. Discontented. But we've got people constantly discontented. I, I, don't, I don't have enough retirement. I don't have enough this. I don't have enough. I don't, I don't have a big enough house. I don't have enough cars. Go, go with me over to Siberia. To, to the little pastor that's pastoring a church in Eskatim, Siberia. And I was there in 1992, and, and, uh, and he, was, he, looked, he looked in my closet. I told this not long ago, but got to give He looked in my closet because I, I, I'd taken a couple of suits with me so I'd have some things to change into. I was going to be there 10 days. 
And, and, and so they put me in this room, and, and his wife or somebody went in there while I was gone and went through my stuff. I hope they didn't see the jar of peanut butter in my suitcase. I had to take peanut butter because uh, I live on peanut butter. And I knew the food wasn't going to be good, and it wasn't. Every night I get me a spoon of peanut butter. They got into the closet, and he said, and before I left, through the interpreter, he asked me this question. We got a question for you. I said, what is it? I thought you know, it's going to be some spiritual something. He said, why do you have two suits? Why do you have two suits? I didn't want to tell him I had three more at home. They had one little car that they had to keep working with just to keep it going across town, and I had two at home. Are we contented? I, I, I've stayed here too long. What about loneliness? Things, thinking and thoughts of loneliness. The Bible says in Psalm 68, verse 6, says God places the lonely in families. Are you lonely? Why not come to church? We're a family. We're a family. Come, come get with the family. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says this, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. You're lonely? Just how friendly are you? I wish I had a friend. Well, have you, have you gone out and smiled? <laughs> do, you, do you ever smile? Just don't understand why I can't get no friends. They're afraid of you. Or a victim. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to preach on this tonight. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Nothing good. Here's the victim. Nothing good ever happens to me. You get those thoughts? Nothing good ever happens to me. I'm always passed over on the job. I will never have enough. I'm where I am because of mean people. And you know, I'm going to tell you, I sympathize with people who have been abused and mistreated. I do. I, I sympathize with those people. But you can't spend your whole life as a victim. Once you come to Jesus, I'm not going to excuse what somebody did to you. I'm not going to excuse the bad that someone did to you. But I'm going to tell you that once you, came, once you come to Jesus, all old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. God can heal your mind from the victim mentality. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. I can't do anything right. I never, I never do anything. Anybody feel that way? Any husbands feel that way? Anybody feel that way? Anybody? I never can do anything right. I can't get anything. I don't. Nothing, nothing good ever happens to me. That's, that's a lie. That's a lie. You're here today, and that's good. Something good is going to happen to you. That was an old song. Something good is going to happen to you. You put yourself in the right place. We sang songs like, I speak Jesus. 
You can't speak Jesus and think nothing good is ever going to happen to you. By you just speaking his name, you are declaring that there's somebody that is above my circumstances. There's somebody that's higher than how I feel. There's somebody that's bigger than my problems, bigger than my troubles, bigger than the situation I'm in. There's someone that knows more and has more than I have. There's someone who's not just a billionaire, but the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Say, do you have any, do you have any rich, influential friends? Oh, I have a friend that sticks closer than any brother. And he owns it all, by the way. He owns it all. And David said this about him. David said this about God. He said, I'm old. I don't know how old he was. I, I think he's older than me, though. He said, I'm old. He said, I've been young. I've been young, now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. Get that in your mind. Come on, get that in your thoughts. I, I'm not, I, I know a book was written several years ago. It did some good in the secular market. You know, the power of positive thinking. I, I know it did some good. We're not talking about positive thinking this morning. We're talking about positive faith this morning. There's a difference between just faith and positive thinking. The faith brings the thinking into where the Bible says without faith you can't please God. You can't please God. Part of that, part of that faith is lining up what you're saying with what you're believing. Here, how do I know that? Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's how I know when someone's living by faith or when they're living in fear and unbelief is what's coming out of their mouth. I just don't think I'm going to make it. Well, I don't think you are either. What, what I've, I'm going to add this in. Is this okay? I have spent some of my time before God trying to get him to feel sorry for me. Um, let me preach this down here real quick. I've spent some of my prayer time just trying to get God to feel sorry for me. That if I was pitiful enough, he'd say, oh, I'm sorry. But it seems to me like God doesn't just respond to need or to sorrow. He responds to your faith. That's why, we're, that's why we've got to get our minds. I, I will keep him in perfect peace. I'll say it again whose mind is stayed on him. See, I, I, I didn't, after I, after I finished this message and then I, 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 could, I could add so many more things to it. People have prideful thoughts. People's minds are, are, are full, of, full of pride so that they can't, they, they, the, the, the Bible says that a man should not think more highly of himself than he ought. We got to think soberly. This morning, I, I'm, in these messages that I've been preaching, the only reason that I can say they're going to help you is because they're from the Word of God. The only way, the only, the only trench that you can build out of your rut is the Word of God. That's the only trench you're going to be able to build. I use the Scripture for everything, for lust, for, for loneliness, everything. I had to use a Scripture for that. 
I, I could get people to come up here and, and, give, and tell you uh, how much better they've done through some of the things they've done. But if it's not the Word of God, it won't apply to you. But the Word of God applies to every person in this place and everyone watching online. Would you stand with me this morning? Each week I tell you this. Nothing I preach this morning can be given to you by the laying on of hands. Now, we can start there. In fact, if you've got, if you've got a tormenting spirit, we can take authority over that in the name of Jesus. It would, you, you say, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if I could just come down here and someone lay hands on me, and then the rest of my life I'd think right. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, sure it would be. The problem is you'd mess it up before you got out of here. Because you'd get your mind cleared, and then you'd, and then you'd, get, and then you'd go back to the same rut that you've been in. You, you may get, and we've done that. I've gone to the altar before and wept and cried and felt so good felt freedom but walk out and not stay in the word and not stay with the word and not stay with what Jesus said with what the word said and a week later I'm back sitting in the pew needing to come down and get another fix this is not a fix it's not a we're not giving out we're not giving out think right vaccines this morning I can't give you a shot and then you'll walk out of here saying, I I can see clearly now. No, it's not going to work. It doesn't work that way. This is something you have to take home. You have to take with you. You have to live with it. If, If you've not, I'm not trying to, maybe I am trying to, I don't know. I don't want to frustrate you. But if you need frustrating, I can do it. If all the words you've had this week is what I gave you last Sunday, and you're back today, you're still in trouble. Instead of waiting till New Year's Day to make a resolution, how about today? Say, look, if I don't do anything else, I'm going to dig a trench, and I'm going to get out of this lust. I, I'm going to get out of this victim mentality I'm going to get out of this slave mentality we're no longer slaves I'm going to get out of that I'm going to get out of this defeat thinking and despondency and whatever it is today today start today and so we can we can pray for you to start today if there's anyone today that you say I need this I need this then come up here and we'll get you started We'll give you, we did this last week. I said, we'll jumpstart you. We'll let, we'll let, God, we'll let God give you just, just a, a blessing and, 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 a, and start out, but you've got to stay with it. It's not a fix. It's not, it's not surgery. It's just a start. Anybody need, you say, I just need, Pastor, I just need, I'm so, I'm so deep. 
I'm so deep in my thoughts. I'm so deep in my depression. I'm so deep in my despondency and my victimhood. I'm so deep in lust. And, and we won't have you to name it because no, so everybody say, oh, I know what's wrong with them. It doesn't matter. It, honestly, it doesn't matter. Any one of these things are, are things that are destroying you. So whatever you need, we want to pray for you. Anybody, well, uh, and and I, I speak Jesus. And, and you know that part, the verse that talks about the strongholds? There's a verse that talks about strongholds. And then another verse that, that, uh, that fits this message. Sing some of that. Can you find it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Here we go. Over fear and all anxiety. Oh, there it is. To every soul held captive by depression. Oh, hey, sing it again. Sing those two. Sing it again. Come on, sing it. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Here it is. Over fear and all anxiety. To every soul held captive by the praise. Okay, now, now, I, I, want, I want some of you to come down. Just come down. And those that need this, come with them. Can I have some saints to just come? They say, yeah, I'm doing okay, Pastor. I'm just going to come down and just enjoy this. Come on. Let me have some folks come down. And if you, and if, and if this fits you, just, just join in with us. Come down here with us. Come on. We want, we want to, I want some, you that are watching online, I want you set free this morning by the power of God. Thanks be to God who always gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. That, this is Thanksgiving. Thanks be to God. Okay, one more time. Then you can go on from there. You can go on from there. This Here it is. I'm speaking it over it right now. Over fear and all anxiety. Oh, she Come on. Now just keep going. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Over every mind. Over every mind. Here it is. Here it is. Oh, come on. Come on. Here it is. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Till every dark addiction starts. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. Oh. Oh. Here it is. <laughs> Your name is power. Your name is healing. 
Here's what, here's what, here's what I was talking about. I, I, I can't, this, this cannot be taken care of with just laying on of hands. However, however, if you've been stuck in a rut for so long that the enemy has come in and compounded it, he works, he works on us. He, the demons in hell work on us. Uh, I, I'm not saying you're possessed. I'm saying you're being oppressed or influenced. 
And what we can do today is take authority over that power. We take authority this morning. I take authority this morning over every power of the enemy. We sang about it. We preached about it. The Word talks about it. Jesus said, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. Yes, I'm taking authority this morning. This is that, this is that what you this is what you need to get this week started. It's freedom and liberty from an oppressive mind and what's coming against your mind. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over that. I take authority over that in the name of Jesus. The, those, those who have been listening to the enemy, listening to the lies, you're, you've, you've gotten so stuck in a rut, you don't know how to think any way than how you think. That's just how you think. If, you were, if someone asked you to just say, this is just, this is just me. This is how I am. But you don't want to be just you. You don't want to be like... The, the whole idea of coming to Christ is old things pass away. All things become new. But sometimes in the process of becoming new, we get back in a rut. This morning I take authority over that. We take authority over all of that. We speak. I speak Jesus into every life this morning. Lord Jesus... Healer, deliverer. God, you set us free. God, God, there's there's some here today that are that are so despondent because their thoughts and the enemy's lies have compounded into their lives where they don't even know how they're gonna make it another day. But God, you you came that we might have life and that we would have it more abundantly. We know what the thief is here for. Kill, steal, and destroy. But God, we pull down those strongholds today that He has built in our minds. We, we, we realize that we've been stuck in a certain way of thinking and believing. Our faith has been hampered. Our lives have been destroyed because that's what the enemy does. Kill, steal, and destroy. If he can't kill you, he'll try to destroy your mind. But in the name of Jesus, we take authority over all of that. And God, this this week we commit ourselves come on commit yourselves with me would you we commit ourselves to the word of God this week to the word of God this week God I will not wait till next Sunday to hear the word of God I will I will get in the word of God I will dig a trench I will dig I'm digging my way out I'm digging my way out Lord but not with my own ingenuity not with my own talent, not with my own ability, but God, with the Word of God, with the Word of God, with the Word of God. Mm, before we leave, those two verses again, those two, those two we started with, <laughs> one more time. Uh, I think it was two. What more? Okay, this is what we started. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Here it is, here it is. Over fear and all anxiety. Look at this. To every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. That is it. There we go, there we go. 
but I do this every week. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts and our minds. Thank you, for, thank you for the path out of here. Thank you, Lord, for digging a trench, getting us out, getting us in. And God, now we do the same thing. We're going we're gonna to break strongholds. We're going to take captive thoughts. We're going to renew our minds. We're going to have the mind of Christ. We're going to let this mind be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Greet one another. Love one another. Thank you for coming.